Hi, this is Donna Freeman. I'd like to invite any ladies of all different ages to come and share life at Women's Break on Tuesday, July 28th. We meet under the portico at 9 a.m. And you're listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and joining me this week is Esposo de la Pastora, Dan Marcello. Hola. You're sitting here, and you're not even clapping. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) 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 Oh, It's like you're not even in the room today. I know. What's wrong? (laughs) Uh, Associate Pastor Bill Calvin. Yes. Please show up. And you... And youth co-director, Daniel Wright. Yay! Mr. Wright. Yay! Mr. Wright, will you please uh, pray for us? Yeah. Dear God, thank you for this time where we can come together and talk and uh, focus on things that are um, focused on you. I pray that you would just make this time a time where we can learn more about you, learn about what it means to be on mission, and I pray that you would just use this time to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Daniel, you are sitting in Scott's seat. I am. The, the rights and responsibilities of that chair have passed on to you. Uh, you have a would you rather for us today. Yes, today's would you rather is brought to you by our youth intern, Mickey Lang. Mm. Um, would you rather eat eight spiders now or eight spiders throughout the rest of, like segmented out throughout your lifetime? Because mm. like, on average, you eat eight spiders in your life. Okay. Um, it's the same, it's the same kinds of spiders now and throughout. Like, it's not like, well, now you would know what spiders they are, but you are eating them in your sleep. So you don't know what it will be throughout your time, Mm -hmm. throughout your life. You know, I'd go later, later. I think Mm. my gut says I should go now, but like if, if it's true that I'm going to eat eight spiders over the course of my life in my sleep, regardless I haven't noticed like the first three, so like I'm probably mm. not gonna notice the next eight. So uh, I, I would stick with uh, eating them in my sleeve at an undetermined date. I am too. I, I'm so old. I might be dead before I get eaten. <laughs> <laughs> There's just gonna be one night where they're just pouring in. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dan, well, would I be able to add these spiders to? another food if it were to happen to now, dish. like to a pizza or like a spaghetti. I think so. That's or a creative. Or something like oh, that. I then I would that do that. I would do that. <laughs> I didn't know that was an option, uh, but there's no take bags. No Daniel, take what bags. are you doing? I would go right away um, because I've heard horror stories about sometimes when spiders try to get into your mouth, they like end up in your ear and start doing stuff in your ear. So uh, huh. I would uh, want to stay clear of that. Wow. Well... Thank you, Mickey Lang. <laughs> and sorry for the mental picture you listeners have to endure right now of <laughs> we, eating spiders. We have to have some input from one of the Langs on every show now. Every show. Uh, let's get into Topic of the Week. Topic of the Week this week is brought to you once again and for the final time by The Silent Retreat. Mickey Lang's baby. Uh, this is your last chance. July 31st through August 2nd, the youth group will be endeavoring to remove themselves from the noise of our world with a silent 
retreat. Middle and high school students will experience the spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude, and this time away is designed to make our dependence on the noise of society apparent and our desperate need for God's voice in our life more clear. Come join us for Mickey Lang's Last Ride as youth in turn, the silent retreat, July 31st through August 2nd. To register or learn more, visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash silentretreat. It feels like Mickey just got started being the youth intern. It does. I'm... But the end of July is the end of his uh, internship, yeah, right? He's, he's coming up to the end, mm. um, but he's still going to be around and helping out still. But yeah. And he'll still be raising four children. <laughs> this is true, yes. <laughs> so he'll be plenty busy. <laughs> yeah, he will be. But I'm really excited about the silent retreat. I'm yeah. kind of jealous I won't be able to be there. Um, Where are you going? Oh, we have a wedding we're going to oh, that wow. weekend. It's not your own, is it? No, it's not my <laughs> own wedding. <laughs> uh so we're going to a wedding, so I won't be here, but I've heard all about what Mickey's planning and mm. it's gonna be really cool. I think the leaders will even be in for a surprise. Oh, nice. Mickey Lang is definitely my favorite intern that I think we've had here in my time. That uh, hurts. Far and away. <laughs> if I if I had to choose one man to be the intern that I would live with, I'd pick Mickey Lang. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> Topic of the week this week. Uh, the youth group just wrapped up uh, their on mission week. Um, can you fill us in, Daniel? Uh, first, on some background of like what is the on mission trip traditionally? What is like that week all about? Usually, on mission is just um, how the Bloomingdale Church youth group has promotes our mission trips that we do mm. each each year. Um, there's a schedule where it happens locally, internationally, and then we do. Our, the Life Conference that okay. happens every three years um, for the broader Alliance um, youth family. Mm. So it's all over the place. It's just the annual mission trip that happens. Mm. Um, so how was this year obviously pretty different with yeah. the state of the planet and, and the pandemic going on? So what, yeah. what did you guys do this week? Yeah, so originally we were planning to go to Cleveland, Ohio and helping out the Envision team out there, but we weren't able to do that. So we got to learn what it meant to live on mission in your own city. Mm. So we did a lot of service projects around the church, creating different spaces for people to hang out as we're starting to meet um, on campus and outside capacities. We went around the neighborhoods inviting people to church. And then there's a little devotional aspect and team building aspect throughout the week. Okay. So that's like a large overview picture of what we did. Sure. Was there like a number one highlight? Ooh. Um, a number one highlight. Probably, this is going to sound really bad, but a kid ran into somebody else and there's a big collision. Um black and blue eye that is a highlight um of that week for sure (laughs) it's very heavily Um, documented it helped us learn a lot Mm. about um teamwork and caring for others when they get hurt um, accidentally so that was it was more than just a black eye though the kid's eye completely shut yeah go to the doctor it was it was a pretty big deal yeah <laughs> can't have an on mission retreat without someone getting hurt. No, you right. can't. Yeah. You can't really have a youth event with somebody getting something happen. Sure. Not all the time. That's true. When I was working with youth, same thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, being in the Christian Missionary Alliance means that missions is a big part of our church. It's a big part of our church 
life, um, but missions can take a lot of different forms. And I think we get to really see that play out at Bloomingdale. We've got uh, trips for students. We've got trips for adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. we've got, obviously, a lot of um, international workers, many of whom like we can't say their names or locations uh, on the air. But would you guys give like a quick overview of what sort of the different forms that, that missions takes like through our church, through the, the CMA? Well... <laughs> As the missions pastor, Damn. I can answer part of this, <laughs> but it's not a, it doesn't have to be limited to me, the answer. Sure. Um, so we definitely support our international workers uh, all around the world, like Max was saying. We give to them financially. We give, obviously, the, one of the biggest ways is through the Passion Project, mm-hmm. you know, supporting different projects that they've got going on throughout the world. Like Max said, we do trips. So we were going to do one this year to Uruguay, but that ended up getting canceled. So that's po- like postponed to next year, to 2021. Mm-hmm. And then just through praying a lot for our international workers as well. Mm. Um, so there's the financial component. There's the you know going and being like a presence with them. But there's just that prayer component, which the ladies group in particular does a fantastic job mm. keeping like very up to date on the different requests and needs that international workers have and praying for them. So it's a group of like a hundred women every week that are just really on top of this and like on fire for praying yeah. for missions. Mm. And when you were working in Mexico, could you feel that? Like, could you? Oh, yeah. Just the different emails. And like, we get an email from Marina every week, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much of the year, saying, How can we pray for you? Uh, during, you know, for those of you who know our adoption story, adopting our daughter, we got a message from Marina saying, The ladies are fasting for the, like, the Lenten season mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. and praying for you, among other things too, but like, they're fasting for your adoption situation and praying for a breakthrough. Yeah. And that was just huge. And getting messages from someone like Dave Lorenz saying, like, we want to support you. And what needs do you have? What projects do you have going on that we can come alongside and support? Mm. Yeah. We definitely felt that love and support from afar. Yeah. And just in messages from friends. Every um, international worker unit, family, whether a single person or a family, has a Barnabas group, which is, you know, a core group of people that have known them and that support them, that pray for them specifically and are really kind of their care group that they can really talk to about hard things that are going on because missions isn't all rainbows and butterflies. It can be tough. It can be lonely. What is the ultimate goal of of missions, whether it's taking place, like your whole life as a missionary or or these adult trips? Like what is that purpose? To lead people to Christ Mm -hmm. and see them become vibrant parts of the local church that's being established there. A lot of CMA missions centers around planting churches, and that is really hard to do, starting churches, particularly when there's sometimes just no core of people whatsoever Mm. who are even Christians that you could approach and say, would you help us get this going? Mm. I don't know that there's anything harder to do in this world. Yeah, and raising up leaders from zero... Yeah. You wanna, eventually, the goal of missions is to hand it off, not have it be done by the missionary, yeah. but to train someone to do it, someone from that country, whatever country it might be, mm. or whatever people group it is, to have them do it, not you. Mm. And so, like Bill's saying, that's tough. It's tough to get it started, and it's tough to train and grow leaders from scratch. Yeah, yeah it's almost, I mean, most of the New Testament is Paul writing to these churches that he started up and mm-hmm. created, um, just help leaders grow and going back and talking to them and like correcting them and like help, trying to help them and grow. So 
Good point. Good good parallel. Yeah. Yeah. I was just reading the other day, like, Paul, the longest-ish he, like, stayed was, like, three years in an area. Like, he was, he didn't spend too much, as much time. He wasn't, like, planted down um, and becoming, like, a long-term pastor. He was going around raising up these churches. Mm. So Paul did the same thing over and over again. He'd start out in a Jewish synagogue and he'd reason with the people that Jesus is the Messiah. He's been crucified for our sins. He raised himself from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He's coming again. And he would also accompany these messages with acts of power, sometimes even raising people from the dead, like Eutychus. So everybody's paying close attention. When you see somebody healed, demons cast out of them, giving words of knowledge, people are just amazed. They're thinking, you've got something to say, or your message is worth listening to. Mm-hmm. And inevitably, though, he would get kicked out of the synagogue, mm-hmm. usually within a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But there were people who would say, I believe what you're saying. I'm following you. Mm-hmm. And that would become the core of a new church. And the new church would usually grow very fast. Uh, I have a suspicion that that church in Ephesus probably had 100,000 people in it. Now, don't think in terms of like 100,000 people showing up at one location Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Think of it in terms of hundreds, if not even thousands, of little house churches all scattered throughout the entire city, but they turn the city upside down. And we know that because the silversmiths who were making their living off of producing statues, idols Mm -hmm. of the goddess Artemis rioted because the Christians wiped out their business (laughs) so badly. People weren't buying the idols anymore. And you don't wipe out a business with just 10,000 people in a town that might have 400,000. You you you're wiping out that business because you are in maybe the 100,000 range and your people are walking around hmm. the temple of Artemis saying, "Don't go in there. That's a waste of your time." I used to go there. I found a better way. Hmm. Let me tell you about Jesus. Hmm. So all these pilgrims coming from around the Mediterranean are hearing about Jesus instead of buying a statue. And they end up having a riot over it. So it's exciting to read the book of Acts and put yourself in there and what was going on. Hmm. So today's missionary, I think of Mark Tobby, Mm -hmm. planting a church in Uruguay. And they've been there for like close to 10 years and and nothing's been happening. I mean, nothing. It's Hmm. just been an uphill struggle. But we got good news this week that their English camp that they do for teenagers, had the most kids they've ever had. They had 45 kids, mm. and it looks like they're going to be able to buy a building now, and uh, people are showing up for church services that they're conducting, and you think, all right, it, after all this effort, something's starting to happen. Mm-hmm. Praise God. I mean, we've all been praying. It's just so exciting to see something's yeah. finally happening. Absolutely. So... In some way, every ministry is a mission, right? Within this church, and every you know everybody who's going out is um, is also in mission. So then, what you know, Daniel, like, is your heart, and 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 Dan is your heart as the missions pastor when it comes to creating these 
these opportunities for missions um, for the people of this church and for people who you know might be beyond this church? I think like there's a a level of each each ministry is part of the mission of God to mm-hmm. bring people to Him, and that's part of what ministry is and what the church is trying to do. Mm-hmm. But then there's that level of intentionality of like what missions work is and what it's doing. Um, and they're really, really close, but I think it's really important to like make sure that they are a little separate because then you get to a point where everything we're doing is mission, but then you don't, sometimes that leads to churches not focusing on mm-hmm. sending and going to the nations and those areas that don't know the gospel or don't really know like who Jesus is. So that's like this weird tension that you have to like not deal with, but like work through um, that I've been trying to wrestle with and think through. And I think when it comes to like youth and what like benefits or like what things come from that, um, I know like personally when I went on my first like mission trip as a junior in high school, that's when I've first got exposed to what it meant to do intentional ministry. So I think that's part of kind of like the youth, and that can happen for adults too. Um, But as like a youth co-director, when I'm looking at a trip, um, trying to work on ways to show these students how and what ministry looks like. Mm -hmm. That's where I started feeling my my call towards ministry on a trip. Um, Because it's just so much different than what normal day-to-day usually would look like. Sure. Um, yeah, it was a really cool opportunity um, to kind of show the students what it looks like to be able to be part of God's mission in their own city, um, practicing inviting people um, to church. So hopefully that would make it like when they go back to school or what that looks like, then it's not as weird as something they've done. They've invited somebody to church before. Mm. So then now maybe like kind of like equipping them to do it here yeah. was really was really helpful for um, during this time. Sure. Dan, what would you say is like the ultimate, um, you know, your heart behind mission opportunities for the congregation? Mm-hmm. I'd love to see us all become missionaries. And before you go buy your plane ticket to Zimbabwe... <laughs> Let me clarify that and say it's going to look different for everyone, mm-hmm. depending on where you are in life, like stage of life, and you know God's where God's leading you to be, because ultimately that's what you want to follow, not not a call of some guy telling you to go to Zimbabwe, which I'm not saying go to Zimbabwe. <laughs> <laughs> but I love you know I've heard a great quote once, and it's you either are a missionary or you need one, hmm. and hmm. so we we need to live our lives like I heard Daniel say on mission on what God's calling us to do, and so you know whether. That looks like for some of our congregation being prayer warriors and praying for international workers mm-hmm. and really aligning right. our hearts with God's for the nations mm-hmm. or going in, you know, whether it's God's leading you to be a, a missionary that lives somewhere else and is a missionary to another people mm-hmm. in another country, learning another language. That's great. Not any better than being a prayer warrior or, or someone that goes short term, mm-hmm. but there's a, there's a lot of different roles that that can look like. I think sometimes we get caught up in thinking, well, the... Being a missionary is just going really far away, mm. but it's just as much also sharing the gospel right where you are. Your neighborhood is just as much a mission field as 
Europe, as Mexico, mm. as Australia, wherever. Yeah, I I think that's really seen in Acts one eight, and how like we see like Jesus says, "Go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth." Like it's missions and being witnesses of Jesus happens everywhere, not just across the world. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that like that central purpose hasn't really changed over the years for the the CMA or hopefully for Christians around the world. Um, can you give a little bit of a, of a window just of what you guys have seen and what you've learned of how, you know, how does missions continue to evolve and, and move forward? Well, I think in the Alliance in particular, because that's where I know, that's where I was an international worker for six years, I think there's been a, a shift to not necessarily moving away from, but kind of bolstering. Before we were just like, these are, you know, career people who have studied and like theology that are, you know, like been ordained or consecrated that we're sending out and they're going to teach the Bible, which I think is fantastic and great. Mm-hmm. But I think you're also seeing a lot of you know, people going as professionals now with a trade, whether that be doctors or nurses, you know, lawyers, educators, a lot of different fields where they're, the thinking is, well, they can be in a certain country, have a practical trade, and also, you know, get to know people and share the gospel that way. Uh, I think you're kind of seeing more of a move to that and then also entering more creative access countries um, with different trades as well, whether that be people doing, like, coaching or different different opportunities around the world. I uh, can't really say more or any sure. names, but um, just lots of different neat opportunities that God is giving people to enter in, not necessarily on that, like, religious visa. Hmm. What are you laughing at, Bill? I'm laughing because I'm thinking about many years ago, a person I played tennis with in college, when he graduated from college, he joined a touring tennis group because you could go to Africa faster as a tennis pro teaching than you could as a medical doctor, which I think is just bizarre. Mm -hmm. So he did this. It turned out, Unbeknownst to him, he had joined a Hare Krishna cult group um, <laughs> mission that was in Africa. And I, I can't remember the guy's <laughs> name, but Peter was his first name. He was the head of this thing. And my friend was working in Africa, teaching kids tennis and realizing I'm in a cult group. I got to get out of this. <laughs> so... He flew into O'Hare one day with, with the Peter something or other tennis group and called me up and said, hey, Bill, this is Fritz. Yeah, And it's like 4.30 in the morning or something. I'm down here at O'Hare in such and such hotel. Can I see you? I'm thinking, wow, this is so weird. So I run down to O'Hare, this like Hilton hotel. And he says, yeah, man, there's like 10 of us in a room. You're not supposed to do that, but... You know, they're trying to save money. And he, he unveiled what, what he had gotten himself into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hilarious looking did, back at it. It's like, did, how did you not know what you were getting into? Did you help him escape? No, no, he got out on his own. But <laughs> that went, was going to be my question, Went too. back up to yeah. the room full of nine people. <laughs> yeah, he could have come home with me, but that, that mm-hmm. wasn't really his plan. Mm-hmm. So he got out of that group and... Then he went to Dallas Seminary and got a degree and became a professional 
teaching pro at really super fancy resorts around the world. They would, he had a big personality, so they'd use him to open up a resort and attract people in. And then he became the chaplain on the tennis tour, the big tour, you know, where people are playing for Wimbledon titles and U.S. Mm -hmm. Opens. He would try to win those tennis players to Christ and disciple them. So that's why I was laughing. I was just thinking about mm -hmm. Fritz and getting yeah. hooked up with a cult group, and he doesn't even know it. And he kind of became a missionary through, I mean, yeah. not through the cult, but through, <laughs> I mean, he started out just being a, you know, a tennis player and then ends up, you know. Listeners, if you're signed up for a mission organization, do your research. <laughs> true, true. Well, I, I think what he signed up for was to be a tennis um. pro. To be, it was sort of like the Harlem Globetrotters of uh, tennis. Okay. So he thought, well, that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when they get him to Africa, he starts realizing, I'm doing more than playing tennis here. This is weird. Mm. This is a kind of connected to that. <laughs> I didn't know anything could get connected to that. Yeah. That was just a weird story from my past. Um, uh, you know, I... I do feel like this question gets asked every time we talk about missions, but I want to ask it here. How can we be better missionaries wherever we are? Um, you know, what I do is I interview people and I, and I, you know, basically handle applications for jobs for a living. And, and obviously each of you has, has, has largely said that missions isn't just about packing your bags. And, and you just very explicitly said it's not about jumping on a plane to Zimbabwe unless that's where God's calling you. Mm -hmm. um, and since we're here and since, as it's been said, we're not just building churches for their own sake of it, those churches will send out people as well. Which and, is happening a ton across the world. Just yeah. Just a little aside, like I was just talking to one of our international workers who was telling me that in the country that he serves in, a church from South America, I think it's the Colombian National Church, mm -hmm. is sending international workers to that country. And so he's working on a team with multicultural team yeah and that's happening all over the world is the and at least mm -hmm. in the alliance and i'm sure in other churches that these national churches that have grown and you know the u.s missionaries have pulled back and said okay you guys take the reins right bam they're sending workers all over the place and that that lights mm. my yes. fire i get really excited about that yes i have a friend in nagaland anjo he's like the pope of nagaland for christianity so nagaland is probably the most Christianized portion in the world. Anywhere from wow. 60 to 80% of the Nagas are born-again Christians. Okay. It's very hard to meet one that's not. You just ask somebody at random, are you a Christian? And they'll say, oh, yes, I'm the choir director, too, at our church. Or I'm also <laughs> the treasurer. I'm a youth worker. They're all serving. So I got to speak at their 50th anniversary of Christianity in Nagaland and the... Um, thing that really struck me was they have a plan to send 10,000 Nagas to Asia. They're already in Asia, but Nagaland, by the way, is northeastern India. They're, okay. they're the same tribes people as the Burmese. Hmm. So they don't look like the Indian people. They live in the mountains, and they were fierce warriors before they were subdued by England. So not, you have this goal of 10,000 missionaries. How is that coming on, Joe? He says, well, we have 7,000 in the universities right now. They, each of these universities has a Naga pastor who's responsible for that university 
so that they don't lose them in the pipeline. Mm. Now that 7,000 was way, way back in 2003. So I don't know where they are today, but their plan is we're going especially to China. We can live on nothing. We're not like you Americans. We sleep on a floor, we eat a bag of rice. We're good to go. Whoa. So we're going to we're going to just pour in to those places yeah. because we we can pull it off. You guys have to raise $75,000 to send a missionary family. Heck. What I like about <laughs> that is they're going to they're going to get training. I think that's important when it comes to missions yeah. mm-hmm. to whether mm-hmm. that's a youth trip or to give them an idea of what's going they're going to expect and how to handle, you know, there's culture shock and big differences yeah. and just strategies for how to share the gospel in a different mm-hmm. people group. And I think it's encouraging to hear like, hey, we're going to send these people up, but we're also, we're not going to just send them out willy-nilly or just like, yeah. okay, go. It's providing good training. Well, and I'm blown away too that they're, he's talking about 7,000 that are in college or university. Mm-hmm. So you're going from being a Naga farmer to a college-educated person to the mission field. Right. I think Anjo was the first person to go to college from Nagaland. Surely the first person to get a doctorate um, as a Naga. He went to a good school, too. He went to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He went through the Doctor of Missiology faster than anybody had ever done. He did the whole thing in a year and a half. (laughs) So we're talking about a guy who's really smart, driven, hard worker, and while he was doing that, he was busy translating the Bible into the Naga language. They that's have inc- lots of languages. I think they have 32 languages for a small group. Yes. So that's just a big amen to what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. That's a remote area that nobody even knows anything mm-hmm. about because they're just so cut off from the world. How did you, how did you meet him? He was, he was going to, tr- he was just starting at Trinity, and a missionary called me up and said, There's this man named Anjo. He's freezing to death. He doesn't even have a coat. And, you know, and it's Chicago winter. I'm thinking, oh, brother, okay, what am I supposed to do? I think, well, can you meet this guy and get him a coat? And that was, was that big... when you were up in Lundgrove? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I went and met him, and he became a member of our church, and the church just loved him. I mean, it was like being with Jesus. I mean, he just had done <laughs> so many things through the power of the Holy Spirit that the rest of us are just standing around with our eyes just wide open listening to these crazy, incredible, miraculous stories. And Mm. so our church got associated with him and brought his family to the United States so that he wouldn't get so homesick that he couldn't finish his schooling. He he had to get a master's degree before he got that doctorate. So he was with us for three and a half years. They do all that in three and a half years, a master's (laughs) and a doctorate. That's impressive. Uh. Yes. Well, he had been a professor at a good seminary in India. So he was way ahead of the game. But, but still hard work, and I mean, just took hard work to a new level. Mm-hmm. Thinking about your original question, uh huh, about <laughs> that's what I was gonna say <laughs> about how do we do it better, mm-hmm. like in our own lives. And mm-hmm. I guess something I've been thinking about. I'm sure you guys have different responses. as Well, is just avoiding the idea of passivity. Like mm-hmm. passivity is just so easy to creep up. Complacency in our in our spiritual lives, where you know, I'm preaching on this in a couple of weeks, so it's just really on my mind of just guarding ourselves against getting spiritually complacent and lazy and like just choosing the wrong priorities. Mm. And so I think part of it is just really examining ourselves and being really honest with ourselves. Like is, you know, being 
on mission, being a you know missionary where I am, like really a priority for me or no? Mm. And if it's not, then taking the steps we need to take to asking God, what do you, <laughs> I realize I'm falling short here. I'm not sharing the gospel. I don't know my neighbor's names. Mm-hmm. And what do I need to do to make a, a change here? Lord, show me. Yeah. And then being willing to, when he shows you something to do it. Yeah, kind of piggybacking off of that, one of our first day um, during the On Mission Week, we uh, devotional number one was about like the authority of God, and really how like you need to like first making sure that you're you're growing and that you're kind of like in tune with God and yeah. that you are standing upon His authority because if you try to go out there and do something on your own authority it might turn out like a cool building exercise or like doing this cool project. But if you're not going out there on the authority of the Holy Spirit, the authority of God, then you're you're not going to be able to do as much. I mean... It reminds me of the book of Acts. Yeah. The seven sons of Sceva, the Jewish priest. <laughs> they like, oh, we cast you out, cast out a demon by the, the Jesus that Paul preaches. And like, I know Jesus, I know Paul, but who are you? And like beat him down (laughs) yeah even like in the in between between luke and acts part one and part two of luke's account um we see that at the end jesus is saying says like wait here until you have the power of the holy spirit Mm -hmm. like wait wait here and then in john you see that jesus like um, breathes on them Mm -hmm. like giving him like giving them the authority to do it um, and how important that is. So, yeah. So I'd like to just bring this in because it's on my mind. Yeah. In order to do these things, we really need to live by faith. Mm. And so I've begun a new practice this past week of just praying and saying, Lord, help me to do something by faith today. Mm. And some days I'm not even able to put my finger on, well, what was it that was by faith? It might be something as simple as just praying with somebody for a big thing, like a physical healing in their lives, or to confront somebody. But th- that's, that's important, to live by faith. And so I, I want to bring up something that our church is doing that I invite you to be a part of. We're having a weekend, the 1st and 2nd of August. We have a nationally renowned speaker named Brian Kluth coming. And he's going to speak on the subject of generosity and teach on it and have seminars on it. And right away, our minds go to well, generosity with money. That's part of it, but it's only a, a part of it. Hmm. Generosity means that I am willing to get in over my head in terms of hands-on doing st- something where the Lord prompts me and I will do it. Sounds like more like a lifestyle yes. than just one area. Yes, so I'm hopeful that we'll all get involved. But mm. Come to the service Saturday night. Stay around for the seminar under the portico after the service is over. Come to the Zoom class, FPU 2.0. Take in his service. His, his, son's gonna, his son is a professional actor. He's going to recite scriptures as a professional actor, act them out. I, I think it's just going to be awesome. But, but the reason why this is coming out of me right now is this has everything to do with missions. Missions is empowered through generous people. That's, a, that's very true. And if we weren't generous, if we weren't living by faith, we couldn't do missions. Mm. It's not just the missionary couldn't do missions. The missionary's hands are completely tied if, if we're not living with a generous lifestyle here in the United States. Mm. 
What would you say are the things that you've seen that you've done, like when God answers that prayer and helps you do something by faith? Let me go back to Andro for a minute. Yeah. Our church was building its building in Long Grove. Anjo was present, and we could see that he was so homesick. We were concerned that he wasn't going to finish his doctorate. And so even though we were worse than broke, we were actually in the hole quite a bit. We went to Anjo, our governing board did, and said, Anjo, we want to bring your family here to the United States to live with you this year. We don't have any money, but we are serious about this promise. We will not put the carpeting down in our church building until we've got your family here. And so we started the Anjo Carpeting Fund. Hmm. And people gave to that fund. It was a lot of money that we needed for, for both matters, the carpeting mm -hmm. and the plane tickets. And God bless Trinity. They came up with an apartment for him to live in, his health insurance. Wow. So the church took a step of faith. Trinity took a step of faith. Andre obviously took a step mm -hmm. of faith. He left yeah. his family behind so that he could go to school. Mm -hmm. So the family flew in from India. The wife gets off the plane. She says, I'm really sick. Even though my brothers are doctors, nobody can figure out what's wrong with me. I've lost 20 pounds. So they immediately go to the doctor in the United States and they find out she has cancer of the cervix. The doctor says, that's my specialty. I will operate on you for free. Church came over with meals every day. They would say, sit down and eat with us. So they got to know the whole church one by this one. This is like living the book of Acts right here. <laughs> so, <laughs> my goodness. so his wife is still wow. living today, 20, mm. no, it's like 36 years later. Mm. It's, it, it was just an awesome miracle that we got to be involved in. But it all started with a generous act of faith. We don't know how we're going to do this. We just believe God wants us to do it. Mm. And mm. let's... Do our best and see what happens. Yeah, I'd love to have Anjo come and speak at our church. Oh, that would be awesome. Especially when he's doing his native language. He is just on fire, mm. just on fire. When he speaks in English, he's just getting by. And I said to him, hey, Anjo, mm. you really haven't improved in your English at all. He says, yeah, I know. <laughs> he, he, he speaks seven languages. And he, all he wants to do is just get by in English. He just mm -hmm. doesn't doesn't have any need for it mm, that sure. badly. You know. But to study in it and then get a, like two degrees oh, yeah, in it. Like exactly. Just yeah. getting by with his doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just enough uh -huh. to get a doctorate. I, I don't need to know much more than that. And he probably could write better than he could speak. Sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Um, uh, first of all, listeners, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can send questions and would-you-rathers, trivia quizzes, Donations, donations to the, to the Anjo Carpeting Fund. <laughs> Gener and also the Jet Ski Fund. And all, well, oh, of course. the Jet Ski Fund, yes. To the Daniel Ooh. Jet Ski Fund. We won't buy Daniel. a jet ski <laughs> until we get you through Trinity. Um, <laughs> to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. Um, uh, for our closing segment of the week, uh, it's time we got a summer update. Um, Bill, your grandkids were just here. Mm. How was the week? It was exciting and exhausting <laughs> just exhausting i needed a nap every single day mm. thankfully nancy did a craft with him and i could just conk out for a while man so <laughs> i'll be ready for him again in about six more months mm. <laughs> fair enough dan you just got back from vacation yeah what was that like it was it was a lot of fun got to go up into the great smoky mountains mm. take in some beautiful views go gem mining with my, oh my parents, goodness. it was fun. 
It, it was a blast. It's just such a beautiful part of the country. Hike to a waterfall. Mm. That was great. Oh. And great time with family. Yeah. Daniel, your fiance just moved to town. Yes, she did. She moved in about a week and a half ago, and mm-hmm. um, it's been amazing. Um, this past week was both exciting and exhausting as well. Did you need me. a nap every day? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> after after each day with the on-mission thing, uh, oh, sure, it was yeah. both exciting to be with the students, but it was exhausting as well. But mm. it was it was so good. You had the hottest week of the year to be uh, outside working, so that yeah. probably contributed it to was, the It was really thankful. I was so thankful it wasn't that bad mm. until Friday. But... Hunter's here, my fiance. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. I guess <laughs> I've seen her almost every single day now. Yeah. So that's been cool. That's so cool. I'm going on vacation next week. Woo. So Scott will be here. Uh, he'll be hosting the podcast, All right. which I'm looking forward to editing and listening to. Where are you going? Uh, I'm going back to Seattle, to the land of my father's. <laughs> well, my only father. <laughs> to the land of my father. <laughs> so he's from Virginia. It's a whole thing. But I'm going back to Seattle. My whole family will be there. Uh, my brother and his wife, my sister, uh, my parents. Um, closing segment this week, Lisa O sent in a Would You Rather. <gasps> um, she also sent in a sponsor that I'll let Scott read next week. <laughs> um, but... Uh, to the to the group, would you rather work for low pay in a comfortable office or hold a heavy sign on a street corner for lots of money every week? Dan Marcello. Oh, man. How heavy is this sign? I think it's at least 30 pounds. And you're... Is it like a sandwich board sign that you wear over yourself? <laughs> I can handle that. Yeah. All right, I'll do the sandwich board. Why not? All right. That'd be... I would uh, low pay with a comfortable office because mm-hmm. I love offices and desks <laughs> and like bookshelves. Mm-hmm. They just make me happy mm-hmm. and yep. yeah. Yeah, you heard it from D.F. Wright, future theologian, <laughs> Bill. Well, my life has been low pay and I'm <laughs> not not the low. I, I, I'm boring paid, and poor. I'm paid very well here at Bloomingdale Church, but by and large, when you're in the ministry, you're just eking it out. Mm-hmm. So I'll try something new. I'll, I'll try the sandwich board for a life. <laughs> but it sounds fun to be outside. That yes. Sounds, that sounds nice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Except for in the winter. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would go, I think I'd go with the office. Um, I think it, I just, uh, I think I have a better chance of really liking my job if I'm working in an office than holding a sandwich board advertising for a mattress firm. But yeah, but you get to yell at cars. And <laughs> I don't like yelling gesture, at cars as much as Just do, do all kinds of stuff. Make it fun. <laughs> get to have that arrow that you get to twirl around and like show people where to go. Yeah. Well, the most important part is you could be living on mission in both of those situations. Mm, could be. There you go. Uh, that way, to is tie, all, way to tie it together. <laughs> that is all the time that we Ooh. have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Max. Daniel, take us home. You have been listening to Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you um, from Bloomingdale Church uh-huh. and Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. There yes. you go. Not you, Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. I like your shirt. Yeah, finally noticed it. Bring the juice. Bring the juice. Got to have juice boxes after practice. We like they (laughs) gave us. Is that what that means? (laughs) They gave us like these uh, Welsh juice bottles at the beginning of the season. 
Um, and I kept mine throughout the whole season in my locker. Towards the end, it was... <laughs> Fermented. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad.